Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Hello all, Mr. Money Jar here. I hope you're well. We are going to be joined tonight on episode 75 of the Mr. Money Jar show by Maggie Palmer, the founder and CEO of Pep Talk Her. And we're going to be talking about a topic I could have done with a lot of advice on when I was younger, and that is how to ask for a pay rise. I think we're going to learn a lot from this live. Um, I joined Maggie over on her page a few weeks ago. And this is a topic that she is very passionate about. So hope you've got your pens and your uh, pads and let's invite Maggie in. Hello to the Black Polaroid. Hey, Finance Reboot. Great to see you both. Hey, y'all. How are you? Very good, Maggie. How are you? I am awesome. Thanks so much for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm so excited. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for joining and thank you again for having me on your page a few weeks ago. It was awesome. I'm such a fan of what that you, all the work that you're doing and anything that can get people paid more, get them investing more money, earning more money, finding financial freedom. I'm all about it. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's dive straight in. Do cool. let everyone know um, who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, so nice to meet you all. My name's Maggie Palmer and I'm the founder of a company called Pep Talk Her. So my mission is all about closing the gender pay gap. Um, I want people to supercharge their career success so that y'all can earn heaps of money, invest money well, find financial freedom, um, make choices that are going to be awesome for you and your family. I'm an Australian, hence my accent, but I live here in New York City. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I built... Basically, I had an experience of pay inequality. I used to be a foreign correspondent, a journalist, and I got screwed over on my pay pretty much. Um, it really annoyed me. And so like so many businesses, it started because I was frustrated, basically. So we built a free app that you can check out. It's called Pep Talk Her. It helps you track your successes at work so that you can advocate and negotiate for yourself. And thank you so much, Maggie. And yeah, I just I love the fact that we're having these international um, episodes now so an Australian speaking to us live from New York <laughs> what time is it where you are so it's like 1 30 in the afternoon here so this is very yeah. reasonable because I work with a lot of corporate clients all around the world and sometimes it's like 3 30 a.m or you know 11 30 p.m so this is perfect okay awesome yeah also thank you so much to the black polaroid and to Matthew J Hagen for buying Ooh. a badge appreciate you both thank you well yeah. I've got loads of questions for you cool. so let's just crack on with those yeah. so um you really talked about why you're so interested in this topic mm. um in the work that you do what are some of the main barriers you see um people run into to that that stop them from asking for for a pay rise i'm, I'm thinking yeah. of like you know lack of confidence not knowing mm -hmm. like when or or where to ask yeah and listen i'd love to hear from everyone who's joining let us know in the chat like what's your biggest impediment i guess to asking for a raise or having conversations around money right like a lot of us i don't know about um to me how you were raised but like 
we're not always raised to talk about cash and money and getting excited about wealth, right? Like a lot of us are raised to kind of think it's a bit rude to discuss that, right? Or it'd be, oh my goodness, if I ask for a raise, my boss is going to think that I'm a massive bitch or I should be grateful to have a job. I don't actually have the right to ask for more. And so a lot of the work that we do is about getting comfortable having conversations that maybe make us feel a little uncomfortable, right? So to start with, it's a lot easier to start to talk about money with a friend or your brother or your auntie, right? Than it is to go and talk to the boss or a CEO. Yep. So start small, right? So I always, so let's, let's set a challenge for everyone watching the live today and watching the replay. Like I would love to challenge everyone by the end of today to have a conversation with someone about money. That's now, a fantastic challenge. Yeah, so let's, let's challenge everyone to do that. Now the reason, so our brain, right, it's like a muscle. So just like if we go to the gym and if I do these ones with my biceps every day at the gym, they're gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's the same thing when we think about our money, our mindset around money, around cash, around being paid for and being valued for our market rate, right? So if you can have a conversation today with your best mate, maybe you just want to send them a text and say, hey, this weekend, should we go for a walk? I just would love to kind of get some advice from you about my salary at work. Or maybe you could text your brother or your sister or your cousin and be like, hey, do you have some time for a five minute chat this week? I just kind of want to get a sense from you what you think I should be asking for, for my next performance review. And I could say to you, like, for example, I could say, hey, Timmy, how much money do you earn? Like, that's a pretty confronting question. So it's a lot easier if you give people a range. So you could say, hey, Timmy, listen, this brand approached me and Pep Talker about doing this partnership. They offered me $5,000. Does that feel about right to you? Mm. Or they said that their, their range is somewhere between two and $8,000. Does that, does that sound like the right ballpark from your experience? And yeah. then you could say, Oh no, you should be asking for 10K. Or you can say, listen, we normally get paid a thousand. So that's what I can tell you. So if you can kind of give people a starting, a jumping off point, it makes it a little easier for them to kind of come to the party and have that conversation with you. Yeah, I love that. I love how you've given specific scenario, you know, based uh, things <laughs> that people could say. Um, and what you've touched upon is that there's almost an informational gap. So people simply yeah. don't know how much they should be asking for. But there's been a comment like that now that I think speaks to maybe another point, which would be great to get your view on, Maggie. It's mm -hmm. from Finance Reboot, and it's, in the past, I feared to ask for a pay rise yeah. in case I'd be seen as a winger and I'd lose my job. And I do yeah. think there's something around self-worth yeah. and how much you value yourself, either as yourself or relative to the people you're in the organization with, that can also be a barrier when it comes to asking for more money. What do you think? Okay, so you are asking a great question around mindset when it comes to asking for what you're worth because some of us are worried that if we ask for a raise, our boss will think we're a complainer or a whinger or we're too big for our boots or don't we know how lucky we are to have a job in the current economic climate. So how do you yep. handle that? So the first thing is really you have to do your own PR. Like if you don't believe that you are awesome and if you don't believe that you are worth it, it's really hard for your boss to kind of have that belief in you. You've got, you've got to start with yourself. And I know it sounds a bit woo-woo and a bit annoying, but like you have to back yourself because no one else is going to back you as well as you're going to back yourself. So the best way to do that is to track your successes because we all have bad days where we're like, 
oh, I stuffed up with the client or I made a mistake or the internet dropped out during our IG live. That happens. So you can happens. focus on those negatives or you can say, you know what? This week I did five podcast interviews and I revamped the website and I made three sales and I should be proud of that. So that's the whole purpose of the app, right? So you can track those successes in the app. And then when you're having a bad day, just grab out your phone and you can have a scroll and be like, oh yeah, I did sign on that new client for my boss. And oh yeah, I did. We did hire the intern who I had suggested. Oh, that's right. I did um, fire Sally when my boss told me that we had to get, get rid of Sally or whatever it is. I did do all those tasks that are actually really valuable to the organization. And so I am within my rights to go in there and advocate for, you know, my worth. And it may be that right now you're being paid below market. It may be that your job description has changed, right? And you are actually now worth more than when you were hired three years ago. So you have to be asking the question. And I always say to people, you should ask for a raise every single year. Now, your boss might say no, that's fine. But you have to ask the question because otherwise you have a situation which one of my clients did. And she goes, no, Maggie, I can't ask for a raise. And I said, oh, tell me why. And she said, because I did that. And they said, no. And I was like, oh, okay. When was that? She was like, oh, no, that was seven years ago. So they, they said, <laughs> no. And, and so she hasn't had a raise for seven years. Yeah. And as you'll know from the Mr. Money Jar content, like the cost of living goes up every year because of inflation. And so you need to be getting really between sort of one and three or 4% a year to kind of keep up. If you're doing well, if you've been promoted, if you're doing higher duties, you need to be getting more than that to kind of compensate for the change in your role. So you've got to ask the question every year. The other thing you need to do is it's, like, I can go in there and say, hi, boss, I want to raise. That's kind of fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's much more powerful if you say, hey, boss, I'm so proud of the team that I've built this year. I'm so excited that we signed on Coca-Cola as a client. I'm delighted that I've, you know, grown our email list by 20% this year. And, you know, the team is really happy. And based on that and given the revenue we've been bringing in and the impact, I really think that it's time we talk about my compensation for the year ahead. And so can you see how that's more powerful because you're bringing data to the conversation and statistics and like if you can bring in dollar signs or percent changes, things like that. It just makes it easier for them to go, oh, yeah, she did bring in Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah, the email list has grown. That is valuable. Okay, maybe I can advocate to my boss for them to get more money, you know? I love that. So the big three, um, get information from other people, yeah. make sure have those conversation that challenge that Meg used yeah. to set you conversation with at least one person track your successes keep those receipts as to the things you're actually doing and you can use the pep talk her app to do that yeah but also take the person you're asking on the journey so it's not just about going in and asking a straight up question it's about showing that beginning to end of all the things you've done in the organization absolutely love it we've had more comments yeah. from the black polaroid my workplace has a pay scale which you go up each year and it's difficult to get a bonus or go up more than one rung up the scale. Yeah. This is because when you talk about all the extra stuff you did, they say, well, it's just a job, even <laughs> though you're doing more than the usual due to the pandemic, etc. Mm -hmm. um, it's a tricky one. That is a tricky one. So what I would say is, um, yeah, so, so if you, what, what's helpful is if you can quantify the extra things that you've done. So have you been doing an extra four hours a week? 
have you been starting two hours earlier so that you can dial in for your global team? Like try and quantify it as best as you can, right? So that's the first thing. You really want to quantify that. Has your output increased as a result? Is the, have you managed to retain all of your staff or the talent, despite the fact that we know that, you know, the great resignation, people are changing jobs. Because don't forget, if you can retain your team and keep your staff happy, that actually has a savings impact for the business because they're not having to pay recruiting costs. So sometimes people say to me, oh, Maggie, I'm not in a sales role. I can't put a dollar sign on what I do. Well, you know, I've worked with secretaries who say to me, well, actually, Maggie, I negotiated with um, the stationery store. We get 10% off the $600,000 a year we spend on stationery. Amazing. You saved the company 60 grand. So let's yeah. write that down because then when you go into that conversation, you have those points to say to them, this is, this, this is some of the reasons why I think I believe I, I deserve a bonus. Now I will say, sometimes you track all of your successes. Sometimes you have all the data points, you have that really constructive conversation and they still say no. There may be a reason for that. So, for example, if you work for British Airways or American Airways uh, at the moment, it's kind of a tough time or it has been a tough time to ask for a raise, you know, because of travel restrictions, it's tough. So you've got to read the room. But also sometimes when you ask and you work and you ask and you work and you keep getting told no, 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 sometimes you have to think, does this company value me? A am I actually aligned here? It's not always, but sometimes you might need to make that decision where you go, I'm actually going to start to talk to recruiters. I'm not going to leave yet, but I'm going to have a conversation with the recruiter. And the recruiter might say, Maggie, whoa, you are paid really well. Like, that's amazing. If you can get that pay, you should stay there. And sometimes the recruiter will say, Maggie, like, give me six months and I'll find you a job with an extra 30 grand a year. You know, so equally, just as you should ask for a raise every year, I do recommend you talk to a recruiter once a year because they have relevant data. Um, they know what people are getting paid in your industry, in your country, in your city. And so, yes, there are websites that can help you, but really, you know, it's different if you work in tech versus manufacturing versus fashion. Every industry is different. So talk to a specialist recruiter once a year. They need great talent to put forward for jobs and you need to know what your value in market is. So there is a mutually beneficial relationship there. There's nothing wrong with reaching out to them on LinkedIn saying, hey, love to jump on a five minute call to understand, you know, whether there could be a role for me in market at the moment. Yeah, um, I haven't moved jobs that many times and now I do miss my own job full time. But for one of the jobs I got, I got a very good recruiter and they are certainly worth their weight in gold. And the black <laughs> brother in the comments, no lies told there. Um, <laughs> some gems. Um, thank you so much, Maggie. Um, I'd be interested to know from you, <laughs> because this has been a very employee focused conversation so far. Do you <laughs> think it's entirely on the employee to be asking for a raise? Or do you think that employers need to do more and be more proactive? You know, they're kind of banking on people, not asking, but really they should be making some effort as well. Yeah, I mean, of course, right? And the best, you know, best practice is that when you are performing well, your boss or the company will say, hey, here's a spot bonus or hey, don't worry, we're going to promote you in November or we will be promoting you in February. We just want to acknowledge your hard work and you are up for promotion. 
But the reality is that life is busy, you know, and your boss might have 30 direct reports. Your boss could be going through a divorce. The company could be an absolute disaster behind the scenes and you don't even know about that. So yes, and if there's any employees here, and I know that you and I both have staff and, and, and of course we try and be the best manager and leader that we can, but sometimes, you know, sometimes I drop the ball and sometimes my employees need to ask me questions and I'm grateful and I'm like, listen, I'm glad you came to me, thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's have this conversation because sometimes I forget and sometimes bosses stuff up. Some bosses are just not good managers. They might be really good at their job, but they're shocking people managers. And so there's two options. You can complain about your pay. You can complain about your boss not, you know, giving you an update or giving you feedback, or you can jump in the driver's seat and you can be like, you can send your boss an email and say, Hey, I so value you as a leader. I'm going to put 15 minutes in our calendar to recur every quarter just for a quick catch up so that you can give me any feedback. I just really value your feedback and I can't wait to have those conversations. You know, you can be in control of this. And if your boss sucks, do what you can do. And if it's still not working and it doesn't, and you decide this just isn't for me, then that's cool. Start looking somewhere else. But again, you know, yes, your boss should, should offer you a raise if the company's doing well. And if you're an excellent employee, but again, you can't rely on that. It doesn't always happen. We don't live in a utopia. So you've got to be prepared. If they say no, what else could you ask for, right? So I always suggest to people, you've got to walk in with a wish, a want, and a walk. I love so that's that. Could you, could you just repeat that? For yeah, and I'll pop it in the chat too. So wish, want, walk. So it's the three Ws, www, but not in a website sense. So it's <laughs> wish, want and walk so with like wish is like whoa imagine if i could get that much money to be paid that's epic like you have to feel a bit sick about the number like it's a lot of cash your walk number is where you're like do you know what i'm actually worth more than that and i'm out like and maybe you're not like going to quit on the spot but maybe you start looking for a new job immediately and then your want figure is kind of the place in between right where you're like that's actually a good amount of money and i'm pretty stoked to jump out of bed and work hard for that amount Right. So you want to be clear on what do those figures look like for you? If your boss says, listen, I love you. You're great. I don't have any more budget. There's nothing I can do. What else could you ask for? You might say, listen, yes, I understand. We've had a tough year because of the pandemic. Would you be open to me taking an extra week off in August during the summer vacation? I'd really love that. It would mean a lot to my kids if I could, you know, spend that extra week at the beach with them or take them to visit their grandparents could we have an agreement that I take an extra five or six days off? I've, I've negotiated that before extra annual leave where they're like, yeah, that's cool. Or they might say, yeah, you can do that, but I need you to still turn up to the team meeting that week. And you might be like, cool, <laughs> works for me. Like a week off, but a one hour meeting, that's fine. Maybe they could say, listen, I cannot give you the budget. You, you deserve a 10% raise. I've got 5% now. But I can guarantee you that in six months, we can bump you up the other 5%. Or maybe we can't make you a VP right now, but I can give you um, a $1,000 educational allowance so that you can go to a conference, which I know you love doing, and kind of learn more. You know, so again, don't expect that your boss is going to give you all these options on a platter. Get on the front foot and be like, I'd really love this amount of money. And if they say no, say, listen, I understand and I want to be a team player. Would you be open instead to an increase in leave or title? Or could we get creative about some other ideas here? Yeah, in my very first job out of uni, 
I asked for training and it was an infographics course. Yep. So I went along to the Guardian's offices and they showed me um, two infographics designers and I just fell in love with it. And I use that training to this day to make content for yeah. um, Mr. Money Jar. So How like good? money is great, but like training and education can literally last you the rest of your life, depending on what you get uh, trained totally. in. Totally. And uh, you can monetize that now right in your side hustles. So sometimes like, and also again, you, so what's helpful, you can view your boss or your employer as like the mean person or the bad guy, or you can put yourself in their shoes and be like, okay, if I was the manager of 15 people, what would I want my staff to do? So just present them with options that way. Sometimes like there's like a bucket for salaries and then maybe there's like a bucket for travel which is yeah. like different. So you, so, so potentially they say, oh, I can't give you the full raise, but maybe they're happy to send you to South Africa for a conference, or maybe they'll send you to Paris, you know, to do a week working out of the Paris office, or maybe you can come to New York and catch up with me and, and, you know, meet a client here. Like there's other things as well. So it's just, it's, it's about doing the preparation. And we talk, we, we run a course on this and we talk about this a lot in the course, like the preparation piece, it's boring. And honestly, it's a bit annoying, but, you just got to put in the time and the mental gymnastics beforehand, because if you've done that prep work, then when you're in the meeting, you're going to feel more confident. You're going to be able to pivot as the conversation goes. And your boss is going to be grateful because they're going to be like, well, Maggie just didn't come to me with complaints. She actually came with some solutions and options. And the boss might say, listen, leave it with me and I'll come back to you next week. Great. You know, but you, you're not just, going in with binary yes no options you're presenting sort of like a smorgasbord yeah um and i just want to kind of empathize with people at home um i've certainly been in a situation where i've kind of gone into that kind of self-defeating victim yeah. mode of i'm not being paid enough and then you yeah. take it personally and then you resent your job everyone has been there everyone knows what that feels well hopefully you don't know what that feels like but many of us have been there <laughs> But you just come at it from the perspective that Maggie is talking about, which is where you go in, you're positive, you're proactive, and you go in with almost like different scenarios of what you're willing to accept. You could be surprised. You could have some really productive conversations um, going forwards. And um, just had a couple more comments. Um, that Polaroid says, great tips. My mind is already ticking regarding the conversations I'm about Love to have. It. And Boot says, I've literally got my quarterly review meeting with my boss tomorrow. This IG life has come timely. Excellent. Now, earlier when we were speaking, Maggie, mm -hmm. Matt, Matthew J. Hagan said, got to move on to move up. I want to ask mm -hmm. you a super specific mm -hmm. question, mm -hmm. which is sometimes people want to pull the, well, I'll break up with you type move. So you go in and you, you just yeah. say, I'm leaving. I actually know people who've gotten substantial pay rises by threatening yeah. to leave. But that's yeah. a bit of a single use hack isn't it like you can't threaten to leave over and over again because then they'll just be like leave so what do you think of that move the whole like i've found another job they're going to pay me more so pay me more or else or i'm out well the first thing is you've got to be willing to follow through on that threat right yeah. so and listen i've i have i have had a situation back when i was a reporter where i did have another offer um and i used that to my advantage but i didn't say i've got another offer pay me more what I did was I went in and say, hey, listen, I love my job here and I don't want to leave. I just want you to know that unsolicited, someone has approached me 
Um, I wasn't looking, but someone approached me. Their offer is really generous. And honestly, it's pretty interesting. I wanted to be fully transparent and I wanted to come to you first and let you know um, as an act of good faith. So I just, I wanted to communicate that with you. I understand that they're very different companies and networks, but in the interests of, you know, preserving our great relationship, I so respect you. I wanted to let you know first. And so you know, it was a very open conversation and I was just like, listen. And eventually they did offer me more. It wasn't quite as much, but I did actually want to stay. So I was pretty happy to do that, right? So, you know, you've got it, but you can't go in there and say, oh, I've had another offer. And then they say, okay, well, you, it's a good idea if you take it. And then you, if you don't quit, you look like an idiot and potentially yeah. they've lost respect for you. But yeah. I will say, I think, you know, um, I'm not in, I'm not a big fan of burning bridges. I know that there is a time and a place sometimes where you can't get around it, but you know, relationships um, span a lifetime often, you know, your work relationships and you might think, I hate that person. I'm never going to work with them. And you know what? In seven years time, they might be a new boss. And it's super awkward if you burn them, right? And if you burn that relationship. So as much as you can, and I know that in five or 10% of cases you can't, but you do want to preserve that relationship. You might hate the new job and you might want to come back. Um, there's this concept of a boomerang employee where you leave and you do come back. You know, you bring that institutional knowledge back. Sometimes yeah. you have to leave to get more money or more respect. Cause you know, for example, I started as a cadet journalist at one company. I had to leave because they didn't take, like I was always the little cadet, do you know? Even though I was senior, I was the little cadet. So I had to leave and then they poached me to come back, you know, in a couple of years. But sometimes you have to make the jump to come back. But, I, you know, my approach is always relationships first. Yeah. Have a really honest, transparent conversation. Um, if you don't want to tell them the exact number, you can use things like, listen, it's a significant pay bump. Um, I'd prefer to stay here. So if you can let me know if there's some wriggle room on my salary, then let's have a conversation equally. If there's not, I understand that. And I'm, and I'm happy to serve my notice period and whatever, because sometimes it might be three grand more, um, at the new job, but you might actually think you could get five to 10 K out of your existing job. So you've got to sort of, again, strategize a little bit beforehand, which we talk a lot about in the course. And there's also a free cheat sheet. I'll put it in the, um, chat but if you go to peptalkher her.com slash pay me more there's a cheat sheet there too which is super helpful that kind of talks you through some of these scenarios as well wicked resources and i'll be adding those to the show notes and to the podcast notes as well um just more um comments we've just got a couple more questions maggie before we get into the rapid yeah. fire questions but just going through the comments seven mm -hmm. uh, then top says great advice here thank you very much for your comment ryan matthew says i definitely don't deserve a pay rise now but this will be useful for my future. But Ryan also says, uh, damn, that's a really good point. It's really how you present it a lot, a lot of the time. I think yeah. that's what I'm going through different scenario, scenarios earlier. Um, Maggie, my next yeah. question to yeah. you is, let's zoom out. Yeah. What do you think the benefits to society would be if we lived in a world where people were paid what they, what they were worth? um versus the world that we live in now so i'm thinking you know the narrowing of pay gaps mm. greater mm. motivation and productivity because mm. the conversation we're having is super super important when people aren't engaged in the work they're doing they don't want to get out of bed in the morning and they don't want to do the job properly right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which doesn't serve anyone so 
when we think about the, the pay gap that exists, so there is a there is a pay gap between men and women, and we know that people of colour are impacted more significantly by the pay gap as well, right? So black women are paid less than white women, for example. And it's the same with men as well, right? There is a pay gap um, that works against people of colour, right? And so it is a problem. And what we know, researchers have sort of extrapolated out, if we could close the pay gap, if people were paid equally, GDP, so the gross domestic product of um, countries and indeed the world, would actually increase. So there would be more money going around the economy. So if you have um, a retirement plan, your shares would probably be worth more. Um, we know that companies that have diversity on their C-suite return a higher net profit, right? Yep. Again, you don't have to believe in equality of the pay gap for um, ethical reasons necessarily. If you're a capitalist, you should believe in it because it means that you will make more money. Whether yep. you work at a company that pays people fairly, it means that you know your dividends or your shares will be worth more. And again, if you're an investor like you and I are, our portfolios will be worth more if we invest in companies where equality is important. Um, so I would love to live in a world where I'm unemployed and where pep talker didn't need to exist, honestly, because, you know, I'd like to move on. It's kind of annoying that in 2021 we're still talking about the pay gap and the fact that um, we know that a lot of women don't ask and when they do ask, they're discriminated against. So there's all these factors that are impacting people, right? And so I'm passionate about changing it, but I hope we can get to a place where, you know, what you'll see employers of choice doing is um, putting in place really transparent pay bans. So you might already work at a company that has transparent pay bans, which is super powerful. If you don't, you can, you can do some research as well. There's a, I'll put a website in the link. It's called um, Buffer. It's a social media company. They have full transparency of all of their salaries. So right now, yeah, you and I can look it up. I think it's buffer.com slash salaries. I can't remember, but we'll find it and put it in the show notes. But um, yeah, it basically lets you, I could Google what their person in marketing in Chicago earns. I can look up what their lead developer in San Francisco earns. And you can see it really transparently. And we know that knowledge is power. So when companies are transparent and open about what they pay, that unconscious bias and that discrimination to an extent, is eliminated, which is a wonderful thing, right? Because then we can all focus on doing the best work for the business, creating the best culture for our team. So I'm really excited about it. Um, and I know we've got a way to go, but progress is happening. If you live in the United Kingdom, there is also um, the pay gap report is fully public. So if you work for a company that has more than, I think it's 100 employees, you can Google right now what the pay gap is at your company. Um, and when you're talking to a recruiter and they're suggesting companies, you can Google what the pay gap is at that company. And so that knowledge is power for you, right? Because when you walk into that negotiation, you then have that information to maybe make sure that you use language um, during the negotiation process to say, I just want to ensure that my rate and salary is commensurate, if not more, than the colleagues that I'll be working with. I just want to level set and let you know that that's my expectation. So you can kind of put them on notice a bit as well, right? When you have that information. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point there, Maggie. Um, mandatory pay gap reporting, which I, gender pay gap reporting, yeah. which I believe was brought in in the UK in 2017. Yep. It's for large companies. So companies with headcounts of over 250 need to publish yep. um, the, the pay gap. And there's currently an ongoing debate in parliament at the moment about introducing mandatory ethnicity 
pay yeah. gap reporting as well. They debated that the other week. And mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that that comes in too, because yeah, knowledge is power. And the more transparency there is, the more fairly paid people are, the better society we live in. Although, like, as you just said, it made me realize if both of us do our jobs properly, then we won't have jobs anymore. Like if everyone's paid fairly, or yeah. in my case, if everyone like understands how finance works and I kind of have to find something else to do. But that's a <laughs> nice and accomplished moment. Yeah, well, and like, what a great problem to have. We'll figure something yeah. out. Don't worry. I'm confident we'll yeah. find another job. And I mean, you know, the sad thing is that in terms of the pay gap, at the current rate of change, we're looking at at least 100, if not 200 years, right, before we get to that, that equity point. So it's a long way away. But to your point, the legislation that means mandatory reporting in the UK is really powerful. There's mandatory reporting in Australia. There's not in the United States yet, but we are seeing California and certain states introducing legislation. So we will get there in most developed countries. It just might, you know, it could be five or 10 years away, but it's, you know, transparency is powerful because when we have this knowledge in the public domain, it kind of shines a big spotlight on it. It's like, rant, 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 look over here. And that means companies need to go, oh, my gosh, that's really embarrassing. You've got a 28% pay gap or an 18% or a 10 Oh, gosh, that's terrible. We need to do something about it. And they do need to do something about it because it's not fair that people who are doing the same job are paid differently, right? Um, and so a lot of it's unconscious as well. We know that um, there are three factors that impact the pay gap. So the first one is time in the workplace. So women often will have more time out of the workplace for caring responsibilities or for kids. The other thing is um, the types of jobs that girls and women are socialised to want to do are sadly often paid less. So, for example, we know that teachers and nurses are paid less than people in finance, for example. And so that's part of the reason. But you can, you can strip out the data with both of those factors and there is still a pay gap. And that third piece of the puzzle, researchers hypothesize, is due to unconscious bias and discrimination. Yeah. And so that's the piece that I know you and I are really passionate about, right? Whether that's from a gender lens, from an ethnicity lens, it's, it's, got, to, it's got to stop, you know? Yeah. Or even um, height. So yes. I read a book called The Social Animal and it said that most of the CEOs like in the world are over six foot because yep. subconsciously we associate height with leadership. Yes. And they even like, I forgot the specifics, but they're like, for every inch that a CEO was taller, they earned like this much more. It's really interesting how the human mind um, yeah. works. Um, we also, oh. we judge people based on their voice. So if I spoke to you like this, if, I, if you have a really high pitched voice, yeah. that is not perceived as trustworthy as if I said, I'm here today to talk about the pay gap. Like, so the, the timbre and the quality of your voice isn't this crazy? But those small little factors together, they might only be half a percent or 0.1 of a percent, but you add them together and they do make a difference. And so that's one of the things we talk about a lot at Pep Talk Her is this sucks. There's no question. Um, okay. Given what we know, what are the small changes that we can all make so that your individual circumstances are as best as they can possibly be yep. given constraints um, of, of the world that we live in where there is this bias that exists. It's not right. And we're certainly lobbying to change that at a government perspective. But while we wait for society to catch up, there are things that all of us can do to help move the needle in our life as well. Awesome. Um, 
Thank you to the Black Polaroid says this is so empowering. So glad you're enjoying this conversation. Thank you to Finance Reboot for buying a badge. Ever so grateful. Um, Mama Sita says that's so interesting. I think that might have been in regards to the um, unconscious bias stuff you were saying. Mm -hmm. Maggie, I love speaking to you. Um, we're now the rapid fire questions. So I'll just yes. those super quickly. The first is what has been your biggest financial achievement to date? Oh, my biggest financial achievement. I think the biggest achievement for me um, was setting up recurring um, investments, automating my investments. I think I wish I had told my younger self to do that when I was like 17, 18. I didn't. And that's okay. The next best time is today or tomorrow. Right. So yes, setting up automated um, investment transfers. I use robo advisors here yep. in the States and also in Australia. So I use a product called Stockspot. And here I use a product called Betterment. And I just yep. like autopilot set and forgets and it does it. And I love checking the app because it's going up like this, which is fun. <laughs> awesome stuff. Um, all right. So the second question is normally what one piece of money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago? You, you just said start what investing. Is there maybe something else you would have advised yourself? Maybe something around pay rise? Pay yeah, I would. I wish I'd ask. I mean, so we know I didn't negotiate. My first job as a journalist, I didn't negotiate. I think I got paid like 27K or something. I was so grateful. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got a job. Oh, yes, yes. And I didn't negotiate. And we know that if you don't negotiate that very first time, you are going to retire with about 500,000 less because of compounding interest, because of retirement, compounding savings, all of those things. So, of course, I wish I'd negotiated that very first time. I wish I had skills. Um, but, you know, building a company to help the next generation of people have that skills. Awesome. Um, if you were to win the lottery, let's say you were to win uh, $10 million, how would you allocate that money? Um, that's a great question. I'd probably... Um, I would maybe put maybe 20 or 30% of it into property. I'd probably treat myself and buy a sweet house. Um, I'd probably put 20 or 30% into the market. Um, I might put maybe 5% into, I do a little bit of angel investing. So I might, you know, have a bit more of a high risk profile with some of it. And then the rest of it I'd donate, I think. At that point, I would feel ridiculously grateful and I would want to give something back. That's cool. We don't often get donate on the show, but um, oh, yeah, it's always really nice when people say that. Yeah. Um, and the final rapid fire question is, what does success mean to you? Oh, what a great question. Um, I don't know. Like I feel, I feel successful every day in the sense that I do what I love doing. I, I really, I'm pretty happy to jump out of bed. I never, I'm like, oh, I just want to stay in bed and I hate my life. So I think it's been a process though. What, I think, Success for me is enjoying the process, right? And enjoying the time when your business makes $10 and enjoying it when it makes $10 million, right? Like, but enjoying that process is crucial because otherwise if you're always like, oh, I'm successful once I turn over seven figures or I'm successful once, you know, a million people have downloaded the app, then I kind of feel like it's a waiting game the whole time. So for me, it's yeah. about being grateful for the process and enjoying, enjoying the ride as we go. I can't remember where um, who the author of this quote was, but yeah. it goes something like, if happiness is on the other side of the goalposts, then you'll never get there. And I think that uh, the same goes for success as well. Like you're alive today, you know, you're achieving stuff today. So celebrate yourself every day. Um, before we close out, do you have any questions for me? Ooh, um, 
Um, I guess what's one learning that you've had that you want to share from your experience in your career about negotiating and being paid that I can, you know, help impart to others down the line? Oh, right. So something that I find is I, I really like the piece you said around taking your boss on a story. I quite like to speak to my line manager and get like a, a list of objectives that I need to achieve over the next you know, six months or 12 months and check in with them regularly to see whether I'm actually achieving those things. So by the time you come to ask for the pay rise, it's almost like automating that keep the receipts point that you said. Yeah. So you agree the objectives up front, you work on those objectives, you, feed, you, you check in with them about those objectives. So when the time comes for you to ask for that additional money, they're already bought in because they've been working with you on the things they said you needed to do to earn that extra money. It's a bit of a checkmate type situation, but I, I think that I think is quite effective. Yeah, and you raise a really good point there. And I think, again, you might work at a company that's very structured where there are quarterly reviews and you might not. And so if you work somewhere where that's not normalized, to your point, put it in place yourself. Like start having those conversations and asking what are those objectives? And if you never get a reply, put in place, here are my three suggested objectives. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. You know, so then at least you've got that data that you can kind of refer back to. One of my mentors told me once to me about this thing called the FYI only email, which we talk a lot about in the um, Pep Talker Career Level Up course. And it's basically this concept where maybe every two to four weeks, you can send your boss and potentially certain stakeholders within your company an FYI only email. So you might be like, hey, um, hey, Susan, I'm so excited to go to the baseball this weekend. I know you are too. Go Red Sox. Just wanted huh. to let you know, um, we finished this project, um, you know, 10% under budget. We signed on this new client and Jane starts on Monday. They're really looking forward to it. Have a great weekend. See you on the meeting on Monday. Something like that, like super cash. But if you do that every two to four weeks, over the course of a year, that's like 10 or 12 touch points where it's like, hey, FYI, I'm amazing. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So then again, if you get to the end of the year and they're like, mm, Maggie, you, you know, you've done really badly and you're on notice, you can be like, well, hang on. I've been sending you these emails and I've never had any negative feedback. So I'm a little bit confused. It kind of gives you a bit of an evidence base. Um, but to your point, it's also helping your boss remember throughout the year, whoa, that's impressive. Whoa, that's impressive. So that when you ask for a raise, it's kind of a done deal already, you know? Yep. Make yourself visible. This has been yep. a fantastic conversation, Maggie. Thank you so much. It's, like, it's clear how passionate you are, you are about this topic. And yeah. I think that listeners have really benefited from this. Is there anyone you want to shout out or anything you want to plug before we close out the conversation? Look, I'm just so grateful for all of you for committing to investing in yourselves because that's the first step to financial freedom, which I know Money Jar is all about. And same with us at Pep Talkers. So the easiest way, honestly, to increase your net worth is to earn more money. Yes, you can have a side hustle. Yes, you can invest, but you may as well just try and maximize your earning potential as well. Right. So that's what we're all about at Pep Talk Her. Check out the app. If you want the cheat sheet, just go to peptalkher.com forward slash pay me more. And um, yeah, DM me on Instagram if you've got any questions, but I'm rooting for you all and I'm excited. I know we've got a few people who've got raises this week. Let me know how you get on. I can't wait to hear from you. Awesome stuff. Thank you very much to you, Maggie, for joining us for this week's episode and talking to us about how to ask for a pay rise. Thank you so much.
to everyone at home for tuning in, for commenting, for asking questions, for buying badges. I'm ever so grateful to you for tuning in to uh, these lives every week. Um, they are very much a highlight of my week. We'll be back at the same time next week with another special guest. So until then, take care. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.